I'm Alex Delay, and this is Vision Vibes, the podcast bringing you the uplifting stories of inspiring people from all walks of life. When we see science depicted in movies and television, it often looks really exciting, like full of adventure and discovery. Scientists explore faraway places, they discover incredible things, and sometimes they run away from giant boulders. But then when we see what scientists do on an everyday basis, let's be honest, sometimes the magic can sort of fade away. Scientists perform long, meticulous experiments, they gather data, they read and review papers. It's not exactly Indiana Jones. Which is why I'm so excited about today's guest. Ella Al-Shamahi is perhaps as close as it gets to a real-life Indiana Jones. She's an explorer and paleoanthropologist who works in conflict regions like Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. She's also a stand-up comedian and documentary presenter. We asked Ella why she believes it's so important to do science in some of the most dangerous parts of the world. I'm really interested in where we come from. I think most of us are, and I've just taken that to the extreme. <laughs> I'm not interested in just my family. I'm interested in my family, your family, your family, just everybody's family, um, and where we come from. There are actually loads of ways of doing prehistoric archaeology. So the most obvious way is through bones. So from those bones, you can get ancient DNA sometimes if you're lucky. Ancient DNA has created a revolution within the field. You can also look at ancient plaque. So when you go to your dentist and they clean up your teeth, that is going to be very miserable for future archaeologists when they come across your skull uh, because, uh, you know, that plaque has lots of information in it. And then, of course, there's things like cave art, um, which is sometimes forgotten but should never be forgotten because it's absolutely fantastic. So there's all kinds of ways of doing it. I have a background which is quite complicated. So um, my parents are from the Middle East and specifically from Yemen. I guess my background made me look at other parts of the world slightly differently. So for a lot of people, Yemen is this kind of like, you know, like terrifying place. I'm like, that's where I would go on holidays as a kid. That's where my cousins get married. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, it was like, well, no, hold on a second. This is, these places, it's not like our ancestors just avoided going to all these places. And so if we're not looking there, we're almost excluding whole parts of the planet from science. And that just seems like such a waste for science. It seems like a tragedy for science. And it also seems like a tragedy for people like my cousins, right? And I just think, gosh, that's such a shame if people from those places don't know that the front line of exploration is probably on their doorstep. I often say that science has a geography problem, uh, and by that I mean that we're not going into huge portions of the planet because of political instability. And so what I do is I uh, try to tackle that problem. I will go into places like Yemen or Somaliland and try and work out how we do a project there. It's understanding that some parts of a country might be no-go zones, but then it's kind of being nuanced in your understanding of the rest of the country and saying, okay, well, this part definitely has a risk but it's risk that we think we can, we're willing to take on. In a lot of conflict zones, one of the things that kind of often unites people is, is heritage and things they can be proud of. Archaeology they can be proud of. Sometimes it, it's landscapes and animals, sometimes it's buildings, but it's, it's, it's heritage. It's really interesting how that often unites different factions. These places are full of scientists who are desperate for collaborations. Like in any of the places I've been, there are so many people who are just like, we would love to train in this field, but we don't even, like, 
we can't get training. So many people on our planet are excluded from scientific discovery. And ironically, those are in places which are often under-researched. Under and so I just think there's so much potential that's out there that we're just not tapping into. As someone who has never personally experienced war and conflict, I realize I tend to think of it in abstract terms. My only mental image of war comes from the news, so it's full of casualties and destruction. But the implications of war are far-reaching. Conflict hampers every facet of the human project, and that includes scientific discovery. Imagine all the incredible discoveries we might be missing out on just because they happen to be buried someplace where people are fighting. And then imagine all the talent we're missing out on when it's easier to join a militia than it is a university. Ella is a visionary. She's working hard to make her vision of a more global, science-driven future into a reality. I think... Because of my Yemeni background, um, not only was I, not only would I look at the map of, you know, the human journey and, and see certain things in a slightly different way, but it also just meant that I had a really high threshold for risk. I'm just not particularly afraid of hostile environments, politically hostile environments. And I think that's just because when we were growing up, it was just... It's normal to see guns everywhere. You know, I remember being on a family holiday in Yemen where they were like, all right, we're going through this road. It's really well known as a highway. Like, it's a lot of highway robbers. And I'm looking at one of my cousins and being like, you got the, you got the gun. And, and it was just such a, like, it was just the way everybody just thought it was, you just, I can't explain it. It was just normal to, to just be used to that level of kind of, you know, um, instability, I guess. For years, I kept trying to find a way of doing a project in Yemen. People were not talking about the war in Yemen. Um, it was it's a really, really brutal war and people aren't talking about it. I was really trying to assess the safety situation because it was just really unsafe on the mainland. Um, and I kept hearing that the island of Socotra, which is off Yemen, was safe once you got there. It's an island between Yemen and Somalia. Like, in terms of where it's placed in the world, this is not an easy place to get to. But I was like, I think that's where I've got to go. Um, partly because the scientific questions there are fascinating. They're not just archaeology, they're also biodiversity questions. And I was like, you know what, this is a place that's hugely under threat right now because of the war, because there's a real fear that um, it's going to spill over, and it did, sadly. Um, And so we really wanted to put eyes on the island. We really wanted to highlight what was going on on the island. It looks alien. It looks like something from a Dr. Seuss book. The trees look bizarre. There are these trees on there called the dragon's blood tree. It's a, a real relic species, which means it's, it's kind of really on its last leg. And the species that exists on Socotra is only there. And um, the thing about this tree is if you cut it, it kind of bleeds this incredible red resin. It's just absolutely fascinating. It's the Galapagos of the Indian Ocean because um, it's one of the most biodiverse places on Earth. In fact, if you correct for size, it is the most biodiverse place on Earth, which is mind-boggling. Um, so loads of the flora, but also reptiles and what have you, exist there and nowhere else on Earth. It's, they've got giant snails. It's just, it's just such an incredible landscape. When I do expeditions now, they are truly, truly interdisciplinary. And the reason why they're multidisciplinary is because it is so hard to work in these places that it is like all hands on deck. <laughs> like if I am going to somehow manage to pull this expedition off, which is always like, you know, like if it happens, it's amazing. 
I want to make sure that um, as many interesting researchers in really interesting fields are there as possible, because it's not like you're going to be able to do this all the time. Right now, I've got a project in Somaliland, which is kind of um, a, a breakaway republic of Somalia. And if you look at Somaliland, it's fascinating because all the countries around it are all really important places for human evolution. If we pull this expedition off in Somaliland, it's going to be just incredible because basically we've got these young Somalilanders who are basically this massive hope for the biodiversity and the archaeology of their country um, in a massively understudied place. If you want to find new stuff now, if you want to find new discoveries, if you want to find new species, if you want to find new fascinating behaviours, if you want to find new caves, that's where you want to be looking, in places where barely anybody's looking. It just makes sense. I strongly believe that the front line of exploration is not on our doorsteps. It's on the doorsteps of places that are not just underdeveloped, but actually places that are um, hostile or unstable politically. Um, because those are the places that are underexplored. We need to change the way we see scientific potential. Sometimes you just happen to come across two ideas that can unlock an entirely new way of thinking. Two words that you wouldn't really imagine went together. For example, before listening to Ella, I would never have thought to put together Somaliland and biodiversity. I'm sure many people, myself included, have always seen Somaliland as only a conflict zone. I knew precious little about the region's geography and history. But when Ella explains why we need scientific expeditions in places like Somaliland, something clicks in my mind. It makes so much sense. Of course Somaliland has a rich natural and archaeological history. And yet, I'd never thought about it. And I think therein lies the beauty of science. Despite everything we already know, there's still so many places left to explore and so much left to discover. And the first path to that discovery may just be exactly what Ella is doing, helping others put together two ideas, and in doing so, broadening the scope of our collective curiosity and imagination. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. This interview was originally broadcast by NHK World Japan on television as part of the interview series Direct Talk. You can find the transcript and all of our other stories on the Vision Vibes website. I've been Alex Delay. See you next time. <laughs>